drops of tears can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away, because all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart is rolled away, because there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. I hope that you can sing that with joy and happiness. Weren't able to do that. The sermon I'm going to preach will give you that opportunity. What do you preach the last three sermons at a church? Well, I've been here before at different churches, and uh, I don't know that I chose this text anywhere else, but this is where my heart landed, actually from a devotion that I read a while back as I was thinking through it. And so the title of the sermon this morning is How Close Can You Be? How close can you be? And that question will answer itself as we go along. I want you to take a moment and I want you to picture the scene of the three crosses. We know the Bible tells us there were two thieves that were hung on the cross beside Jesus, but you've seen them before. You've visualized them, try to see them. And I've pictured them in different shapes and sizes and I've seen them before, but we call it Calvary, Golgotha, Aramaic and Hebrew words and transferred from Hebrew back into uh, the Greek in the New Testament. So one of the Gospels uses the word Calvary. We're about to read in Luke, and another one uses Gagatha. Some of you have been to Israel. We were blessed, and we went with some of you, and we got to be near at least the place that they believe is the skull, as it's translated. And there's actually rocks there that look like a figure of the skull. And whether or not for sure it was, but there's still a just to be there near to think, because we know it was right outside the walls of Jerusalem. So when we were in Jerusalem, you're near all those places, and it just is kind of overwhelming almost when you think about it. But we went to the place that they believe where Jesus was crucified, and so just want you to see those three crosses. Imagine them in your own way. When I was at Crossville, several of the people and you know, went through committee meetings, and people wanted three crosses put up at the church. I think they're still there. seems like I remember seeing them out front. I'm getting a couple of nods. and uh, But I helped put them up, and we got some big timbers. They were treated timbers and uh, concreted them in. And so in between the sanctuary and the fellowship hall, there was a green space there, and, and we concreted a little sidewalk around them, and they mounted those huge big crosses, three of them. And through the years, we would put the cloth, like a lot of churches do, and you've done it too. We put the purple, especially around Easter time. And so they were so big and so tall, it took a pretty good-sized ladder. You'd take a step ladder out there, and you'd drape the cloth, and you'd stretch out and take a roofing nail and nail it in there, the cloth. I've done it myself on several mornings on Easter Sunday morning, and black cloth I'd get there before sunrise early in the morning before we had the sunrise service and I'd change it out or either I've gone late at night and changed it to white so it would be ready for Easter Sunday morning and I a lot of times I just tear up when I start nailing that in because it just you go back there and so I wanted you just to visualize in your mind the cross Um, these two thieves I want you to think about them you know, what do they represent? Why did God chose, you know, why did he say, I'm going to put that story in there? Well, to me, these two guys 
They kind of really represent all of humanity. We've got to make a decision about the guy hanging on the cross in the middle. So that's recorded for us to see. They both had to decide what they were going to do with Jesus. They had to decide about eternal salvation. And so the message this morning is just about salvation. Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul said, I preach Christ and him crucified. I, I hope that nothing else you can say, well, that preacher Beck, we know one thing, he preached Christ and him crucified. So here's the story of the three crosses, and let's learn from them this morning. I'm going to read to you from Luke 23, verses 32 through 35, and then we'll drop down to 39. But Luke 23, verse 32. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, and other places, Golgotha, there they, they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. And Jesus said, Abba, Abba, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And, and these two obviously heard that. And, you know, was it just meant for the two of them? Or was it meant for the soldiers? Was it meant for the rulers? Or was it meant for us? Was it meant for all humanity? Abba, Abba, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Then they divided his garments and they cast lots. Tradition that the Roman soldiers who were in the detail of the crucifixion, they got the clothes of the dying one, so they cast lots, they gambled over them. People stood looking on, and even the rulers sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ. He's really the chosen of God. Let him save himself. One of the criminals, verse 39, who was being hanged, blasphemed Jesus. You're the Christ, why don't you save yourself and us? You really are who you say you are. But the other one, and again, they're in close enough conversation, they, they can hear each other. And in my mind, I always picture the crosses, you know, one over here and we said left and right, but I, I wondered if they were, maybe they could see each other a little bit better. But again, they could hear every word, and so first one, he condemns Jesus, and the other one answered and rebuked that one. Hey, buddy, he rebuked him, and he said, do you not even fear God? You see, Jesus said, you'll have one of two masters. You'll either fear God or you won't. Then he said, seeing you are under the same condemnation, and he and we, he said, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. In other words, we deserve what we're getting. That's an act of humility. That's a, the start of an act of repentance. You know, you can't get saved until you first realize you're lost. You have to admit that you're a sinner. Hey, God, we're, we're getting what we deserve. We're getting the due reward of our deeds. But this man, this Jesus, he's done nothing wrong. Then that man looked over at Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him back and said, Assuredly, I say to you today, what does it say? You will be with me in paradise today. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Jesus said, You're going to be with me today. The other one heard all this conversation. The cross 
is the central fact of our faith. It's no accident that our thoughts go continually and bring us back to Calvary, bring us back to Golgotha. It's no coincidence that that's what will happen when we take communion. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.18, he said, for the message of the cross, it's foolishness. It's a joke to those who are perishing. But to those of us who come to church and realize we're saved by the blood, that we know why the song and what it means written in red. No, to us that are being saved, it's the power of God. What an extreme contrast. Foolishness and power. balance of all of that but but that extreme contrast still exists today there are people in our world around us who are still right there beside Jesus they know the cross is is foolishness how do you know the word how do you know it's true Jesus on a cross oh we can go to God in many ways well there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved except for the name of Christ Jesus said I'm the way I'm the truth and I'm the life and no one shall come unto the father except through me These two extremes exist. The cross is either foolishness or it's a power of God. We believe it's a power of God. It gives us hope. It gives us life. We can hear him whisper to us, you will be with me in paradise. Hebrews 12, 2 that I read earlier, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. There it is again. It just, it just keeps getting brought back up. So our faith, author and finisher of it, and the cross, it's the one on the cross who's going to finish that. He despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So there's that cross. We know that cross. We're going to have communion over that cross. But what about the two other crosses on that hill? The God of providence and the God of wisdom, he captured this scene in Holy Scripture. God would never have allowed an accident here. It's in there for us to learn something from. God chose to put that in there. So these two thieves, crosses, they carry their message for us too. And so we're going to learn a very powerful and yet potentially dangerous lesson from these other two crosses. So you got one guy on one cross, poor soul, tried to find some kind of relief in cursing Jesus. He added his voice to all the others, those others that were taunting and mocking him, and he joined in with them. That happens still today in the world. He just joined the crowd and poured out his bitterness on the only one around who loved him unconditionally and the only one that could save him shared with somebody this week, you may have heard this saying, tragedy and struggles uh, that come in our lives, they can either make us bitter or they can make us better. The other guy was getting hung too. The striking lesson for us to learn here is how close a person can be to Jesus and still miss him. This thief couldn't have been more than a few feet away. It is possible 
to be this close to Jesus Christ and still miss him. That's one thing we can learn from those two crosses. One of the disciples missed him. Was with him for three years, so all the power of God in this, this man, this human divine. He missed him. One can be in church and miss him. John Wesley, of his own testimony, grew up in church, godly parents, but didn't find Christ until he was 35. In fact, you can miss him and be in ministry. It's kind of scary. But I've heard testimonies, and Wesley's was the same. Wesley came over here. The only time he came to America was to come and witness to the Indians. Went back on a ship, and the Moravians, these people that knew Jesus Christ and had the Holy Spirit and had calm when the storm came. And Wesley said, I don't have what they've got. I came to save the Indians, and I need saving myself. So he goes back to England. He's at church, and they're reading from the book of Romans. And he said, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ and I felt my heart strangely warmed that's that famous line from Wesley how close can you be and miss him maybe closer than we can think sometimes the supreme tragedy of human history is that many who are closest to Christ can miss him how close can you be? The other one, on the other hand, we learn from him a simple way to come to Christ. Peter said, hey, I deserve what I'm getting. I repent. Would you please remember me and forgive me? And Jesus said, you got it. I'll see you later today in paradise. So so simple but yet so powerful Jesus told Nicodemus you must be born again something's got to happen on the inside former church Hope's Bluff before I came here I was preaching one Sunday and I don't remember what I preached on but I remember the day I remember what happened when I got through preaching and as oftentimes I do I give an invitation to respond to God's word and that particular day I it was about salvation and receiving Christ and we gave the invitation hymn, and we were about to close, and a, a man stepped out of the aisle, 78 years old, walked down, and his daughter was following him with him. His lips were quivering. He couldn't speak. Tears were rolling down his face, and he had spoken to his daughter, but he, he couldn't talk. He came down to the altar, and so his daughter spoke for him, and she said, Daddy has received Christ into his heart, but he can't speak. Would you come by and talk with him this afternoon at his home? 78 years old. Been in church. And I was like, yes, I'll come by. Well, when I got to the house, he was just glowing. Just so excited. So when am I going to get baptized? He was ready for me to take him in the kitchen, dip him under the kitchen sink and go ahead and baptize him. He was so excited. And I said, well, let's wait for your family and see if they can come. We'll do it at church. Well, they couldn't do it that Sunday. He was just, oh, man, I wanted to go ahead and do that. So we waited two weeks and got to baptize y'all. 78 years old, found Christ. That Thanksgiving, because that was in the early fall, 
that Thanksgiving. His wife told me that for years and years and years when they gathered at Thanksgiving meal, she always called on, and I can't remember if it was a nephew or uh, an uncle in the family that was a deacon and taught Sunday school or something, but he always did the prayer at their home, and so she would call on him to pray, and she was about to turn and say, let's gather and we're going to have prayer. Charles said, I'm praying this time. And he prayed for his family. Tears running down. How close can you be to Jesus and miss him? I pray that if you don't know Christ, you can know him today. You just say, remember me. Please remember me. Come into my heart, Christ. Doesn't worry about what anybody else thinks just matters what you and him think that those two thieves right there is just making a decision one of them decided didn't need him one of them said I need him it's that simple but yet it's that powerful let's pray together dear God help us to learn the lesson from these three crosses thank you God for holy communion may you bless this time we pray in Jesus name as you know, in the United Methodist Church, we have open communion. If you're visiting with us today, we invite you to come and have communion with us. But we also, if you choose not to, we respect that. Uh, the liturgy that we'll follow will be found there on uh, page 12. If you'll turn there and we'll share together in the liturgy. I'll begin there in the invitation and you'll respond in the darker letters. Christ our Lord invites us to his table, all who love him and who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law and we have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Jesus Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God.